3: The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Now with award-winning
4: PGA professional Harold Bluestein. Here's your host, Jason Swagger. And a fine good morning to you all. We are in March. The sun is out. The weather couldn't be better. What a great day yesterday. Oh, I actually went and even though I had to borrow clubs, but I, I went and played. Like, Dirt had an old set of TaylorMades. He's Where, like,
5: Well, how Dirt's not very tall. Were they like, they three were short? Uh,
4: no, they were standard length, but you know, the clubs I'm I'm in the process of getting have are extended, I think, a half inch is what they came up with. So it was noticeable. I was, yes. But I just I hadn't swung a club in five months. I was like, all right, let's just go do this, and whatever the hell happens, happens. Oh, but
5: that's a good attitude to have because you don't, you know, you always got to keep your expectations. Oh low, yeah. Low, not just you, but most players, their expectations are too high. Uh, where did you play? Stone Creek. Awesome.
4: So, uh, so well, yeah, I it was, was a little point. it was a little damp, but uh, the greens were still had a lot of moisture. I couldn't get the speed down for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, they, they look like they should be, you know, humming, but you would be, you know, a little slope or a little hill. You think it would take more, but,
5: you but other be, than that,
4: you, yeah, you, you got maybe
5: be overthinking it.
4: I was, but that, I mean, whatever.
5: Oh, somebody just sneaked up on you.
4: Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get that microphone right up in there.
5: Right on my face.
4: Yeah. Who
6: was that masked
5: man? <laughs> the, <As well>. uh, <laughs>
6: I, never I didn't like really to yell posi- in your ear and talk back because I knew then you'd be like, who the hell is talking <laughs> exactly. to me right now?
5: <laughs> well, I hear voices as it that's is. That's right. And so this would be, but I, there was a gentle tap on my right shoulder. You
6: know, we were talking about <sighs> Tai Chi before the show yeah. and you were teaching me a few things. Yeah. That was Tai Chi that uh, you had taught me that I just executed on you.
5: But there was a certain arousal about it and that's why.
4: hey, hey, the, this is uh, a family show. <laughs> It is. This is cartoon hour for a lot of families right now. So hey,
6: you know something, arousal is a family thing sometimes. Exactly, and that's a nice world where you
5: took it is not <sighs> my problem.
4: It's not yeah, time for sinner right. and saint yeah. yet. Okay, that's just true. you know, Harold hold off the for point. now.
5: I I should be a special guest on the sinner and the saint. <laughs> oh and I man, could, I could be a little bit of both. So. Where were we? we? We're talking about. We're talking about golf.
4: everybody getting out and playing golf in this amazing weather. It's supposed to be sixty-five something today. So uh, just, just what a great feeling it was to be out there, sun and out in your shirt sleeves. So I can't wait. I'm going back to see Paul uh, tomorrow. Actually, for
5: the, what?
4: well, we're we're the shafts we initially wanted to put into the irons we are ordering are on back order t- till September. So he's uh. like, I don't think you want to wait till September. I was like no
5: (laughs) kbs yeah yeah there's comparable chef so we're we're
4: gonna go down and uh do that and get fitted for wedges so then uh, hopefully everything goes in irons a driver wedges hopefully a couple of weeks we'll have everything and i can at least have enough clubs to go out and play
5: have you hit any fairway medals yet no
4: he does that last he says he he wants you to go out uh paul benson uh, precision. I gotta get the car. Precision uh, fitting mm-hmm. uh, down at Willamette Valley Country Club, and but it's a tremendous process. He's like, I do fairway woods and or hybrids last because we want to go see how far you're going to hit your longest iron, how far you hit the driver, how many yards of gap do we need to account for, and how many club, and also how many wedges you want to carry, how many clubs do I have to work with, and what are the distances then that you want to be able to hit from to determine, okay, what are we going, are we looking at three and five woods? Are we looking at a three and four uh, hybrid? Um, you know, how you want to to use those last remaining clubs in your bag and what distances you're really trying to key in on. And I, I mean, it seems very logical, oh, but it but it's, it's, uh, yeah. at the same time, it's an innovative way to go about doing it.
5: No, it's not necessarily innovative. That's the way we basically uh, fit is to fill in gaps. So what distances do you hit? He'll do the same thing with wedges. Yeah. Whether you carry uh, three or four wedges, a lot most players will maybe carry two. That's not a good idea. If you don't hit the ball very far, like me, yeah, uh, three wedges is plenty. If you're a bomber, you may need four um, because you're hitting the ball closer to the green and you there's a lot of distance issues there.
4: Uh, or if you're not very accurate you're finding yourself you know having these 30 40 50 yard pitches you got left with
5: yeah but that's not necessarily that's that's a function of the swing we're going to talk a little bit about that in the tip segment but uh, it's basically uh, judging on a full swing a full motion how far do you hit the ball it should be about 10 yards different between clubs we get up into the, uh, the long irons and the hybrids and the fairway metals, we're looking at uh, 15 to 20 yard differences. So, uh, in, that's an important area. Uh, Paul is a great club fitter. Anyone interested yep. in, in getting fit fitted properly should go see Paul Benson at uh, Willamette Valley.
4: Yeah, they got a great uh, a great performance center right there. Trackman, all sorts. He's got every major manufacturer. He can he just. Get some initial uh, specs on you, you know, length of shaft, weight distribution, lie angle, that sort of thing, and then he starts uh, taking all the stuff from the manufacturers and puts clubs together and lays them down six, seven, eight, and says, "Okay, swing them. Do you like it? Do you not like it?"
6: Right.
4: You whittle it down to a couple that you kind of like, and then he gets the TrackMan data, looks at it, says, "Okay." your performance is best with this particular club, but also he's like, how do you, how does it feel? Do you feel like you have control of it? Are you fighting it? That sort of thing. He puts those two things together and, and eventually comes up with something.
5: Yeah, that's great. And it's, I'll be interested to see what shaft they switch you from the KBS and into what probably a dynamic gold shaft.
4: Yeah. He said he had two that were pretty similar. So uh, we'll go down and he'll, he'll build that club real quick and I'll swing a few, see what we like and,
5: that's awesome. Get then we- that order
4: in, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully by April, we've got uh, we got clubs again. It's time to go.
5: Yeah, and I've already got thirty rounds of golf
4: in. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. I'm a little behind. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but yeah, we got the morning shift now with uh, with the boys, so uh, I'm done before noon most days, so I can uh, also get to the practice uh, practice facility. I'll be back out of Forest Hills here very soon, so uh, we'll see the boys. But uh, they've got little short practice areas as well as the three or four different practice greens, so I can work on the short game and then work on the full swing. And uh, hopefully by summertime, I can start putting rounds together.
5: Yeah, I want you to avoid holding your breath while you're hitting a golf ball. Can you do that? Uh, And then you try to hit it. uh, Susie said yes. They're tightening up. (laughs) I want you to avoid that, <gasps> you know, where your chest puffs oh. up and all your muscles tense up. Trying to know. make
4: things a little less penal. <laughs> yes.
5: So, yes, thank you. very that, much trying to do that. That's the, hitting but, the name. Uh, there.
4: but the pros, uh, the one tour, it's all about the Players' Championship this week. 17 has provided high drama as it usually does we got a bunch of Europeans at the top of the leaderboard. So, as always, let's start by going Inside the Ropes.
3: It's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards. The latest on all tours, plus local golf events and golf news. This is Inside the Ropes, part of golf in the Northwest.
4: Uh, I should note, joining us at 845 in the business of golf, Brittany Bomar, who's the founder and CEO of Bomar Putter, is going to join us. And uh, they have uh, they uh, manufacture and uh, produce putters designed for side saddle putting, uh, which uh, used to be a little more common among golfers, professional golfers, way way back in the day. Uh, you hardly ever see. I can't remember the last time I saw somebody on a professional tour or in a, in a big event side saddle putting.
5: No, you don't now. You might see it on the. Uh... On the Champions Tour, although I can't think of a player who has, uh, but I will tell you that uh, I played my first pro am at Riverside, and uh, Riverside Country Club, great yeah. golf course, good conditions, greens were really fast. Uh, I change putters and I change putting styles often, and I went to on those little, you know, five, six, seven, eight footer, I get a little bit shaky. I went to I carried two putters when I played, and I went to side saddle to to putt the the uh, those length putts, and I made everything. So wow, uh, there is a real benefit, and I play with a number of, of players at Royal Oaks that uh, side saddle. So it's something to to think about. It's it's for me it's a lot easier at times, but on longer putts I'm back to the traditional. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, we'll talk with Brittany. Uh, she was uh, quite an amateur player and uh, spent some time on the professional tours uh, all around the world. But uh, is uh, uh, we'll talk about the benefits and, and how to really go about what side saddle putting and how it can be useful for you. So we'll talk to her at 845. But the Players' Championship, TPC Sawgrass, one of the most familiar courses uh, on the PGA Tour and in golf worldwide. Lee Westwood, once again, at the top of the leaderboard, 9-under after uh, finishing one shot behind Bryson DeChambeau last week at Bay Hill, holding the 54-hole lead. Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, for a fourth consecutive week, is looking uh, for a high finish. He's at 8-under par. Chris Kirk, with a 65 in round two, is at 7-under, tied with Sergio Garcia, who shot 65 in round one and then had to ham and egg it yesterday because he couldn't make putts, kept it uh, even par. He is at 7-under. Brian Harmon, Denny McCarthy, Bryson D. DeChambeau, after winning last week, uh, trying to double up. He is at 6-under. And uh, Sungjae Im, once again, at 6-under par. He had it uh, going uh, yesterday and then uh, kind of faded late. John Rahm, among those at 4-under. But then there's a whole host of guys back at 1-2-under, and two under, and we saw the low scores a couple of guys put up yesterday. So this course, these Pete Dye courses, If you can drive it in the fairway and put it in the right place to have a go on your second shot, you can score. If you are out of position, Pete Dye just punishes you uh, mercilessly more than any other architect because if you're out of position, more often than not, you don't have a clean angle to get back into position.
5: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Pete Dye courses. Uh, Lee Trevino once said that the only golf courses in the world that you can burn down. The uh, and that's because there's so many railroad ties and things. They're they're pretty tough. Uh, we're talking about. Oh, I, I gotta give you a little uh, background on this golf course. It was it's the first stadium course that uh, the tour and the tour owns it. So it was an experiment by um, Commissioner Beeman at the time. We got we gotta fill the seats. So how do we create or build a golf course where we can have a gallery? And this is the the first one they came up with. He actually bought the property for a dollar, one dollar. What was Wrote it before? It, well, there's uh, a, a couple of brothers owned it. Florida there. Swamp? 4,000, or? yeah, kind of. But there was some buildable land. They had 4,000 acres. He said, I want to buy 140 acres of it. And they said, "Why?" They said, "Well, I want to build a golf course. I have this dream, and I think we can. The other, the remaining acreage will be worth a fortune if I build this golf course." They believed him. He was right. He wow. bought it for a dollar. What
6: date was that? Seventy uh, something
5: Yeah, seven. What was it? Seventy two.
6: Yeah. Nineteen seventy two. He bought that much property for $1? one dollar. One dollar. That's insane. Yep. And they built this golf course. Now we talk about the
5: Island Green, and we were chatting about this before the uh, we came on the air. It, it kind of evolved. The only decent sand they had on this 140 acres was that Island Green. So they dug this big hole, threw sand all over the rest of the golf course. They needed the sand in order to grow vegetation, grass, and whatever. And uh, they ended up with this big hole. The uh, spoils from this they threw in the middle, and uh, between Pete Dye and uh, and Beeman, they they decided to to do an island. Uh, actually, Dye wanted a peninsula, and uh, Beeman said, "No, let's build an island." And Dye said, "Well, I wanted 165 yards. Well, can you imagine? Oh, 165 <laughs> yard island." This would have been torturous. Uh, and they argued about it, and they got it down to max at about 145. So uh, it's an interesting thing. They didn't really want to do this, and it it turned out to be one of the—
4: It's one of the most signature holes, maybe the most iconic par 3 on the uh, PGA Tour. You've No you've, question. You got 12 at Augusta, 16 at Augusta, 7 and 17 at Pebble Beach, but right. I have no other par 3s— in America, maybe the postage stamp at Troon, uh, seven.
5: But this is the most fun to watch. But
4: the, and, and for a high drama, yeah, yeah, you can't you can't beat it, and and especially with the with the stadium because seven out of Pebble Beach is on the peninsula. There's no there's no gallery out there. Right. Twelve, the gallery's behind them at the tee shot. Sixteen, probably at Augusta has the biggest crowd, um, and but, but and the all that drama. on
5: seventeen. Oh yeah, is been so much on. More.
4: Been on shot eleven. He put four in the drink on Thursday in round one. Oh,
5: he had an eleven.
4: Yeah, four in the Kevin drink. Never
5: not uh, what had an eight.
4: Yep. No, I think on was the maybe it was one shot shy of the highest score ever recorded That's there.
5: That's Right, twelve was the highest score ever. Yeah. Yeah. I want to put you out there with a uh, with a large bucket of balls and see. I
4: you... I so want to go some. I'm yes. When okay. I get. A golf game together and a swing. I was like, okay, I can repeat this. This is how far the ball goes. I can control it. I have some semblance of whatever
5: that may happen when the monkey flies. No, no, I'm I'm, d- I'm determined. And,
4: yeah. I'm determined. Then I, yeah, I want to go play some of these courses that you can play. Obviously, I'll be playing from forward tees. I can't hit it, you know, more than forty
5: five. You can handle, but but that I like whole, leaving the stick in. <laughs> so yeah
4: no I want to go and see uh see what you can do and and especially on a windy day I think it's if it's if it's pretty benign it's a fairly simple shot
5: oh really it's been benign and
4: well you put it if you're just there swinging without a crowd and without a tournament and all that sort of stuff you start adding in things
5: you can beat an 11
4: I'm convinced I will score in the single digits on that hole
5: Really? Okay. Yes. All right. We'll we will see. Okay. And uh, write that down. Make note of that. Yeah. We uh, we
6: we can collect the audio. That's the best part. We yep. can play oh, this back yeah. this has- and yeah. put it in his face if he does in fact either do it or doesn't. Yeah. That's right.
5: He comes up with a ten. I'm I'm gonna be.
4: Of course, squishy. Yeah, it's not squishy there at all. Okay, we got a break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about this. Can Lee Westwood at 47 become the second oldest winner uh, at the Players? Uh, Will Sergio come through? Will Matthew Fitzpatrick get his first PGA Tour victory as we continue on
0: Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan?
4: 8.20 of this morning, Jason Swigart, Harold Bluestein, with you on a gorgeous early spring Saturday. Hope everybody's got a, a tea time uh, this weekend. Get out there and enjoy it and try to enjoy it. And we're going to talk about that as we uh, get into the players here. Lee Westwood, after finishing runner-up to Bryson last week and made him make that final putt. For all of the theatrics of Bryson DeChambeau and the 375-yard drives, Westwood (laughs) never uh, got too far away from him there. And uh, uh, Bryson had to make that final putt to avoid a playoff. And it's been pretty impressive as to how he's kept his game uh, in shape. But for him, it's been more of the mental process. His fiance is now his caddy. Who he credits with helping him in his approach to uh, going out there, and he talked about that after his second round and what exactly it is that he's uh, trying to keep fresh in his mind to just enjoy what he's doing out there at 47 years of age.
8: I, I care less about the outcomes, you know. I I still care about you know my performance and, and that in turn leads me to work as hard as I've always worked but um, you know I've been working with a psychologist and uh, for a few years now and we just focus on the process we don't focus on the outcomes and things that we can't control so the only thing I can control when I go out there is the process and making sure I have fun so I make sure I have fun
5: Yeah, the process this will help a lot of players is that notice he's not talking about how to make a golf swing or like Rory would be, you know, I'm having a little trouble here or there. He's – he's the process is how he thinks when he's on the golf course, managing his emotions, managing his game, uh, managing the golf course. Uh, Lee Westwood's at a place where you know, he, does, he doesn't need the money. No. Right? So that takes a lot of pressure off of him.
4: And he's one you know, he's won, what, 45 worldwide events?
5: 42, and he has a lot of personal pride. So uh, that's keeps him going. Uh, he wants to play better. You know, at my age, I still have the personal pride. I want to perform better uh, as well as I can, not because I want to impress anyone or because I need the money to do it. It's because I, I really just want to play better and improve every time I tee the ball up. And I think that's where he is. That takes a lot of pressure off of him. You know, I think in in terms of basketball, Carmelo Anthony, what does he have to prove? He's going into the Hall of Fame. He's having a great time. He's just throwing a ball up and enjoying what he's doing. And I think Lee Westwood's in the same place. And now when you look at the top of the leaderboard with Westwood and Fitzpatrick, you know, they've had 15 different international winners at the Players and now one of them has been an Englishman. So now we're looking at a 47-year-old Englishman, maybe possibly the second oldest winner on tour.
4: Yep. And as for Matthew Fitzpatrick, he has been in contention, uh, fifth at the Genesis, 11th at Concession, tied for 10th at Bay Hill. So for the fourth straight week, he's finding himself at the top of the leaderboard and a 26-years-old uh, wondering how he's able to keep in contention week after week.
8: Yeah, I'm I'm ready for a week off. <laughs> I'm ready for a week off, definitely. But uh, you know, when when you keep putting yourself in the position, you kind of want to finish one of them off. So um, yeah, I just got to got to keep grinding, and, and uh, I think the biggest thing is you just got to I've got to play smart and and not not try try not to play stressful golf, where you're missing greens and easy shots and just keep Keep hitting it fat side and, um, you know, make make the misses a little bit easier.
5: Yeah, this kid is good, and he reminds me of the, you know, the Victor Hovlands and these young Englishmen coming up uh, that play so well, are very bright. This kid, you don't go to Northwestern without being bright. No. Uh, uh, I'm surprised he doesn't have a victory yet at age 26. Well, he doesn't have one on
4: the PGA Tour. I think he's won in Europe.
5: Yeah, Uh, he has six international wins. So yeah, he does know how to win, but I would like to see him win. Uh, he's he's got a good run here going into twenty twenty one. So um, can he can he keep up with the ball striking of a Sergio Garcia or a Lee Westwood? That's something that the two of them are doing very very well. They may struggle a little bit on the greens, but they just keep hitting for the most part their approaches. They're hitting uh, yeah. anywhere from 70 to 80 percent of their greens. And that's an important element at, at TPC. Sarfow. And for
4: Fitzpatrick today, he'll play with Lee Westwood in the final group. There is not an easier guy to play with out on tour than Lee Westwood right now. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, he's Lee has been a mentor to all of these young up-and-coming uh, Brits. Uh, on tour and encouraging them and uh, so it'll be a very comfortable round out there uh, should take the stress level down for everybody for him so he can just concentrate and uh, he needs to you know he's gone out and been at the top of the leaderboards there first second rounds but then as his Sunday scoring average in these last four events he's been over 70. Uh, in each of them so the question is at the end of you know in that fourth round when the pressure is on and his adrenaline is is pumping a little bit can he settle himself down and make shots when he has to
5: well I think you're looking at two potential Ryder Cup teammates for the Euros and uh, I you know I've been looking at the Ryder Cup teams coming up and and the Euros look pretty darn good right now yep they've got some really good performance and and this golf course uh I don't know how it's going to compare to whistling straights in it because they're two entirely yeah. different golf courses one is uh, more of a link style golf course and this one is a shot makers golf course uh tough to say but I I'm curious to, to see how the english do Going into uh, the weekend,
4: well, we know uh, Sergio likely to be a captain's pick for the for the European team if he doesn't have enough points. He was the first round leader, had himself a cushion, but then uh, round two, a little more up and down, having trouble on the greens, but uh, found a way to get it back in, and it's just too off the lead.
8: More than anything, there was a lot of fighting, and uh, and that's that's one of the things I'm most proud of um, because it, it, you know when things. When things are not really happening and you miss a couple of pats here and there, it's easy to to kind of let the round get away from you. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, I uh, I was able to, uh, to keep it together and, and obviously had a great finish uh, on the last three holes. So uh, very, very proud of that.
5: Well, he's the first player to make uh, three Eagles uh, multiple times. Uh, it's a yeah, that
4: eagle on 11 yesterday with a ridiculous second shot that was a kick-in eagle saved his round. It had the potential to go off the rails, and then he finished uh, birdie, par, birdie at 16, 17, and 18. That that got him back to seven under and just two back heading into it. But I I don't know. I don't I don't expect. I, I think Sergio will fade. I think he might finish top 25, but
5: he's well I know you you don't look, like Look, I'm
4: not a fan of the Spanish rat that's uh, well established on this show
5: yeah I I really like Sergio <laughs> and I always have and one of the re- you got the English rat yeah one, <laughs> one of the reasons I like him is because you don't uh, and so give me a list of the players you don't like and I will support them. There's regularly. not
4: that many that uh, I bug you? I that bug me in the manner that he does yeah. Sergio Garcia the Spanish rat. <laughs> and so I mean I'm even a little I'm far more tolerant of Bryson and Jordan Reed than most people there's no question but uh but I don't know what it is about him and it has nothing to do with the fact that he's Spanish I can tell you it, it, there's just some stuff sometimes where he starts getting whiny about things yeah and I'm like oh just everybody's dealing with it
5: yeah, I know. That's that's the one. I know you don't have a bigoted bone in your body, and and so it has nothing to do with him being Spanish. But it does, you don't like whiners. No. And, uh, none of us really do. I but- mean, you whine,
4: you, you know, you get frustrated on yourself. That's fine. And you're like, you know, Justin Thomas does this all the time. If you watch, he's trying to read, he's like, why is the ball going there? You're having, you're just having an out loud conversation with what's going on in your head because you do this read and it looks like it's breaking this way and it goes the other way and you can't fathom in your mind, but he doesn't take that then to the post round microphone and start blaming,
5: uh, two different, uh, players, Jordan Spieth. Uh, he, he understands his world by, by speaking. Yeah. Uh, and so he has to, he has to talk it out. That's the way he makes sense of the world where Sergio is more of an internal, more emotional person. And so completely different response Mm -hmm. to, to failures. Uh, Go ahead. Well, uh, there was
4: one more uh, player I want to hear from here uh, before we get into the tip segment, and this will help lead into it. But Rory McIlroy, who won this thing two years ago, the last time it was played to completion, just miserable right now. And how I got to go way down there to figure out how God awful he was. Was it 11 over that he finished up?
5: Yeah, um did they let him finish? They <laughs> he was he was terrible. Where is Rory? I really like Rory. I am a huge fan of his.
4: Everybody loves him. He was voted to uh, to the um he heads up the the players advisory committee uh for you know, for the tour players, uh but he has he's gone off the deep end here talking and but he is one of those guys that if you ask him a question and you wait for it, you will get an honest answer. He was asked about what is the most frustrating thing about the state of his swing right now.
8: Probably like October last year, doing a little bit speed training, sort of getting sucked into that stuff. Um, swing got flat, long, um, too rotational. Obviously added some speed and hitting the ball longer, but uh, what that did to my swing as a whole um, probably wasn't a good thing so I'm sort of fighting to get back out of that um, probably that's what I'm frustrated with I mean if I if I, you know I, I felt like I made some good strides I um, played well tour championship played well um, at the US Open I, I sort of look back at Wingfoot and I look at my swing there and I'm like I, I would be pretty happy with that again um, and then after Wingfoot you know I had a few weeks before we went to the west coast and I started to Try to hit the ball a bit harder. Hit a lot of drivers. uh, Get a bit more speed, and I feel like that was the um, that was sort of the infancy of where these swing problems have come from. So it's just a matter of trying to to get back out of them.
4: Who won at Wingfoot? Don't know. That was Bryson DeChambeau.
5: Oh, you know all these things. Oh, that was the
4: U.S. Open, right? Wingfoot, DeChambeau. And you read between the lines. These guys are competitive. And as much as you putt for dough, you do drive for show. And they are showmen. And at the top levels, he got caught up in the arms race. And it's backfiring, which is why I believe there will not be a whole bunch of Bryson DeChambeau's out there on tour. Because of everything that he had to do to be able to swing as hard and you know, and, and for now, as accurate as possible to hit it 370, I just don't think a lot of guys can do that or are willing to go all in the way Duchampot did.
5: Well, different body types entirely, and I did know who wanted Wingfoot. I just wanted to see if you did the, uh, and you did the. This is the Duchambeau effect. Now, Rory bought into it, and he pound for pound, at five foot nine inches. He hits the ball further than anyone on tour. Why he needed to change that is, is kind of funny. But you know, tour players are always, gee, what's the what's the latest and greatest slice of bread? And and since Bryson's closer to the green, he's got a little wedge, and I'm half to hit a nine 9 I think I think I've got to get more speed. And what happened is, they he changed his swing, which I think, you know, when you've won as many majors as he has. Why change it? Tiger did it uh, often. Uh, so maybe Rory thinks he he is capable of doing it, but I don't believe so.
4: Well, we'll dive into a little bit more about that with our tip segment and maybe some other uh, things to help uh, get your short game into uh, rounding into form as a lot of people are uh, getting out there enjoying the weather. But we're making the turn. Brittany Bomar, Bomar Putter, is going to join us at 845 in the business of golf as well. We're making the turn. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan
2: Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash podcast.
3: After the end of a good fight, you deserve a nice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours...
0: Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com/network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Tips for your
3: game from award-winning PGA instructor Harold Bluestein. It's time to ask the pro on golf in the Northwest on the Fan. Eight thirty-five here
4: this morning. Golf in the Northwest. Coming up later this afternoon here at Center and St. Well, Center and St. following us immediately at 9. And then uh, with the Ducks losing to the Beavers last night, the Pac-12 semis, uh, they're going to wait till Sunday to find out where they're playing the NCAA tournament. We do have the Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma State and Kansas, pregame at 2.30 and uh, tip at 3 o'clock here this afternoon. That's what's coming up on the fans. So, uh, so yeah, and then uh, we'll find out. Uh, everybody will go to Indianapolis for a little uh, modified March Madness.
5: Yeah, who's not going to be there,
4: though? Teams, right? Well, we're going to find out if uh, Virginia and Kansas, who had to leave their conference tournaments with positive COVID tests, are going to be able to send their teams. So it'll be interesting to uh, see what happens uh, Sunday afternoon. And then uh, Sunday, you'll have the Big Ten championship game uh, at noon. Following that, uh, we'll go to ESPN Radio for the release of those brackets. But as we uh, talk... Uh, some some specifics here, some fundamentals, some mechanics. So we heard from Rory McIlroy talking about uh, how his swing came undone. Right now, he's second in driving distance at nearly 320 yards uh, for measured drives off the tee this season on the PGA Tour. But 57% driving accuracy—that is 148—and so the question always becomes: At what point do you have enough distance? That the ability to be able to control it and get yourself in fairways, so you're far enough down. How much distance is enough distance? Well, whether I, you're on the yeah. PGA Tour hitting at three twenty, or whether you're a ten handicap and want to, you know, just be able to to play a six thousand five hundred yard course.
5: I I don't know any golfer. Uh, who is ever satisfied with how far they hit the ball off the tee? I well, just, yeah. you know, if there's somebody out there who said, you know what, I'm happy hitting at 200 yards, I I think you have to accept the fact that you may only hit at 180 or 200 or 250, whatever it is, and then just learn how to play from there. Uh, you, when is distance critical off the tee? Well, Bryson Duchambeau, is uh, he's only hit a little less than 43% of the fairways. He even admitted he's just not hitting fairways, and if he's going to win at at Sawgrass, he's going to have to hit, hit more fairways. Um, Rory, probably, I think he hit more fairways, than even though he was terrible, than Bryson Duchambeau. But Duchambeau is hitting greens uh, at yeah. 75%, uh, where Rory is not. Rory has dropped to 170th on tour for uh, proximity to the hole. So, he, his, he, you know, yes, it's easier to hit a green if you're closer to it. But, you know, just hit the green. Uh, and, and that's what's critical. I think the mistake Rory's making is that he needs to go back to 2019 when he won four times. Uh, look at that swing and and try to get back there. Anytime a player, regardless whether you're a high handicapper or, or a tour player, tries to get more speed, more distance, that means for an amateur, they think more speed, they're, they're going to swing their hands faster. Well, that means they're going to swing from the top down to the ball and they're never going to get through properly. What they have to work on is how the ground and how the core is gonna hit the ball uh, longer because it creates more hand speed. For a tour player and and for the amateur, they end up swinging too long and too loose. Uh, Rory says he got flat in his swing. Flat means that he's trying to get a little bit more, engaged the core more, less of an arm swinger. Uh, But that's not what has gotten him to where he is. Uh, So he's changing the plane or the angle in which his shoulders work and the angle in which his hands and arms work. And uh, you know, we're built in a certain way and we function and we're more efficient um, in a, in a way that is natural to our body type. Duchambeau can do some things that Rory can't do, but Rory can definitely do some things that Duchambeau can't. Yeah. And so Duchambeau When he hits it long and straight, he can win. Rory hits it considerably straighter over a longer period of time than Duchambeau. I think he made a mistake. I think he'll he'll be trying to kind of level off somewhere where it's halfway between trying to hit it too far and trying to hit more fairways. And I think he'll find that spot. But right now, he's rather lost. Uh, and making swings that I don't think suit his game.
4: It'll be curious to see if he plays at, at Honda, if he plays in the match plays, or if he goes back and tries to figure out how he wants to swing to prepare for the masters.
5: Right. Yeah. The, and the masters is a, is a bomber course. They've, they've made it into one, but uh he needs to win that. And the only way he's going to do it is by hitting fairways. Yep. And uh, Dushambo might go there and try to overpower it, but that's a golf course like TPC Sawgrass that it's very difficult to overpower. Um, So we'll see what happens.
4: It'll be interesting. And certainly uh, if he can get back to, you know, a consistent swing that he can put in the fairways and as long as he's driving it, you know, Three ten, three fifteen, and he can step on one when he needs to, Yeah, he'll be but fine.
5: I think for the average player out there, if you're listening, just hit the ball solidly and accept what yeah. you are. Unless well, you're willing to spend, um, you know, two hours a day in the gym, uh, you better accept the fact that you're only going to hit the ball a certain distance. And swinging harder does not no. make you, is not going to produce... Uh, the ball going further. You're going to have days where that's possible, but most of the time swing within yourself.
4: And that's the thing. If you want to develop more distance, that's going to come from fitness training, core training, all of those sorts of things, making a consistent swing. If your body then becomes stronger or more flexible, then the net, the distance will naturally happen.
5: Well, it certainly will. And there's ways to do it. And I'm, I'm work. I work out quite a bit, uh, once or twice a week. And that's a lot for me. The average person's not going to do that.
4: Yep. So, uh, And we'll have uh, more fitness uh, uh, experts coming on throughout the season. But when we come back, we're going to try and uh, help you on the greens. Brittany Bomar, Bomar Putter, is going to join us in the business of golf as we come down the stretch. Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan.
1: That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co.
0: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.
3: Which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the business of golf every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080, The Fan.
4: Jason Swigart, Harold Bluestein back here with you. 8.45 this morning. Center in Sync coming up following us. And in the business of golf, a lot of people uh, with the uh, sun peeking out, the weather warming up here in the Northwest uh, getting out. On the courses for the first time and we are very pleased to have joining us Brittany bomar co-founder and ceo of bomar putting company and bomar putters a uh, family affair but a uh, collegiate golfer at northern iowa in uh, hawaii manoa before turning professional playing on tours around the world and uh now uh Uh, with the company that she founded. And side saddle putting, I think, is one of those legend lore stories uh, the younger generation hears about but never actually really sees. And so, Brittany, welcome in. And and how did you come about side saddle putting and uh, and, and deciding to go about uh, making putters specific for that method?
10: Well, first of all, Jason, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to wake myself up at the moment. I'm (laughs) slamming a coffee to be alert for you. But uh, yeah, um, if I'm diving back into the history of everything, I mean, I don't know how much you guys know about my dad and I, but we've both been rolling it that way since we were 10. Uh, My dad was down at Arizona golf resort. That's where he grew up in Phoenix and he saw a member of his using that style and was intrigued by it. And that was kind of how everything sparked and started for him. And then, you know for myself so it was kind of a rite of passage it's like all right I see my dad making putts and it's like I was conventional till I was 10 and once I was tall enough I started rolling it that way and I never looked back so you know through my success using the style through my dad my brother he's a collegiate player he putts that way as well um once I was done missing too many greens on tour and not making enough cash I was like all right. What I'm going to do now, and kind of thought about teaching full time, maybe getting into because I worked for Cobra for a couple summers, and I had a, a friend who's a member at our course. It's an engineer, really, really talented young man that decided to remake the original letter that my dad and I used, which wasn't mass produced. It was just made for us, and he remade it, and it was amazing. It was so beautiful, and I was like, you know what? I think we have a business here. So luckily, I found a um, investor and. Started the company late 2018, and we didn't launch officially until 2020 at the PGA Show.
5: Brittany, good morning. And it sounds like you've had enough coffee now that uh, you're really (laughs) on a roll. Uh, I started to, I've been side-saddling off and on for quite a while. And it it came about because, first of all, I never felt like I was lined up properly to my target. Uh, mm-hmm. or to the line I wanted the ball to roll on and, as, and plus I developed a little tremor in my right hand. And so I went to uh side saddle and started to, ex- I, I overcame the stigma of, of that because we are usually right. looked upon as being failures mm-hmm. in another area so that we, this is our last ditch effort, but, mm-hmm. uh explain what the benefits are to our, to our listeners.
10: Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, just to roll off of what you just mentioned, Harold, I mean, it's a great way to see the line from an athletic perspective. And even from a conventional putters perspective, you're going to get behind your target. You're going to look down the line. You're going to pick out whatever, a piece of grass, shot tracer, see the line, see the break. Then you're going to turn to the side. And once you get to that point, being back conventional, it's really easy to lose that line. Whereas for us, We're staring at that line, you know, from right behind the ball the whole time. So that's probably, you know, the biggest benefit to it. Um, The second one, and that's just going back to it being, you know, natural and athletic, is if you imagine yourself rolling a ball with your hand, you're always going to face your target, like with 10-pin bowling, cornhole, basketball, darts, whatever it may be. So that motion with your hand should come naturally. Because I have a lot of people that are like, uh, you know, I'm kind of nervous about longer putts. Like, how am I going to gauge my distance? And I tell them to do just that. It's like, all right, how far back are you going to take your hand? that's kind of the length of stroke, depending on the length of the putt.
4: Brittany Bomar, our guest, Bomar, a putting company. And so for those that are, are curious about it, I know uh, BomarPutting.com, the website but for mm-hmm. people that were, are interested and in truly you know, aren't happy with their putting results, doing whatever they're doing now, if they want to you know, make the transition or give it an honest try, what are some of the things they need to be focused on to allow yourself? Because, you know, you go out there one time and try and give it a try or for a weekend or whatever, and it doesn't quite take or you don't quite get it and you go, eh, that's just a, a gimmick. But for those right. obviously that have success with it, how long do you need to take and what are the kind of the keys you need to retrain yourself to do if you've been putting conventionally for so long?
10: Um, I mean, first of all, it's getting the proper equipment. Cause you know, I've had a few people that are interested and they'll email me and it's like, you know what? I'm tinkering around with my conventional putter, but it's going to be too short. not going to mm-hmm. set up properly. And then the line goal is not going to be upright enough. So, I mean, I would say, get a side saddle putter that's the first start and luckily with our company you know over the last year i always offer virtual instruction with each sale so it's like once you get it the setup is the hardest part once you get the setup down the stroke is easy like i said it's very a very athletic motion the really the only thing mechanically that could go wrong is if you come up out of your posture prematurely so yeah the biggest thing i mean you can tinker around a little bit to get a feel with a conventional putter but get the proper equipment with us my dad and i are both PGA instructors we can help you out with it. We've been doing it long enough and hopefully get you to enjoy the game more and make more putts.
5: So Brittany, you said the setup, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've noticed, uh, I know a couple of players who are side saddle and all of us are slightly different. Um, right. Particularly with our stance um, and our ball placement. What do you recommend? And I'll start with ball placement. Where do you recommend the ball be in your stance?
10: So I recommend that it's in front of your leading foot. If it gets too far back, our putter phases are set at zero degrees. So if it's too far back, that putter is going to be coming down at a steep angle, and then it's going to pop the ball up. So if it's more out in front of you, I recommend usually a putter head in front of that leading foot. My brother goes a little bit farther than that. You know, his stance is a little wider. So everyone is slightly different, but I think that's like, a pretty solid rule of thumb to make sure that that's in front of your leading foot.
5: Okay. Have you noticed that, um, there was a big change to the rules from anchoring. And when I was saddling, uh, I anchored the, uh, the, the grip end in my shoulder. Uh, and Mm -hmm. now I'm not allowed to do that. Has anchoring affected the way that you are putting or the way you teach it?
10: Well, I'm glad that you're talking to me and not Billy because he wasn't very happy when that came around. In Neither was I. So he might have been using some expletives right now. But, um, <laughs> no, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm doing a series right now, a web series with uh, Morning Read. It's a publication back east. And uh, that was one of the topics that I touched on was just, you know, common questions that we receive and um you know one of the biggest ones is you know inside saddle illegal so we kind of dove into the history with that and sam sneed and you know rule 35-1 but the other one was anchoring so when that came into effect in 2016 you know my dad and i were the same way that i believe you were harold we had the top end of the club the grip basically right up against our shoulder and then that shaft was all the way down my right arm so essentially i could putt with one hand i didn't even really need my left hand um so yeah that was a harder transition for my dad and i think that's just because he's been doing it that much longer than I have. You know, he's twenty three years older than me. So it took him a bit of time for me. I knew that I was going back down to Australia to play on Tuesday. So it's like all right, let me give myself three to six months and you know, I actually felt like my results got better and I don't know why. It personally for me I feel like when I was anchored that almost at times brought my right shoulder back to where mm-hmm. my shoulders weren't fully square. Mm-hmm. So now pushing the club out away from my body I felt like I was more square to get my weight a little bit more forward leaning towards the target so i might have just been convincing myself of that but yeah my results stayed the same if not got better
4: Brittany bomar uh, is our guest uh, bomar putting company for people that uh, want to find out more about uh, the putters themselves and also kind of see demonstrations you mentioned some video uh, available there how's the best way to get more information
10: um so yeah the website that's you know, our home base, best place to start. And we actually have embedded all of our YouTube videos on the website there. Um, If not, you can always go to youtube.com and just type in Bomar Putting Co. All of our videos will come up, the instructional series, informational, all that. Um, Social media-wise, we have an Instagram and a Facebook. Those are both under Bomar Putting Co. Uh, You can check us out there. And then, yeah, guys, we're, you know, depending on COVID restrictions, really hoping to get out and, do a bunch of demo days this summer so we can see people in person.
4: Well, if you ever make your way to the Pacific Northwest, uh, we'd love to uh, have you back and uh, explain it a a little bit more. Hopefully send some people your way.
10: I'd love that too, you guys. I appreciate it.
4: There you go. Brittany Beaumont, thank you so much for taking some time for us this morning. And I really appreciate. And yeah, I think the biggest thing, it's like shooting free throws underhanded, you know, Rick Barry and one of his sons and, you can be incredibly accurate, but it's just the ego and the stigma of looking funny or looking different that a lot of people have to, uh, but I think golfers are more, if they find something that works and they start making more putts and <laughs> going lower that they, they don't care what they look like out there as opposed to some other athletes.
5: Well, I would hope that they could come to that point. Um, I always tell students there is no room on that scorecard for comments. It's only a little box that you put a score in or a number in. And so get the ball in the hole in the fewest number of strokes. So improve your short game, work with putting. There's a lot of, it used to be when I first came out uh, as a professional, there was only one way to putt and I tried left hand low. And people say, "Oh, this guy can't putt." And then, uh, and now the claw grip, the pencil grip. There's all different ways to to putt now because, and if the tour players can do it, because they understand they need to get the ball in the hole, and if they can do that and make changes that suit them uh, visually and emotionally. Strategically, They're going to do it. And I recommend that the average player do just the same thing.
4: Well, uh, we'll be watching uh, quite a bit. You'll see all sorts of different putting uh, grips and strokes. So thanks to Brittany for joining us again. Bomarputting, uh, dot com, And uh, you'll find all the details there. NBC picks up coverage 10 a.m. this morning uh, for the players. And then Sunday... Uh, They'll pick it up at 10 a.m. as well. Should be uh, a lot of theater there at TPC Sawgrass. Thanks to Will Darkens, as always, our producer. We'll talk to you next Saturday, and uh, we'll wrap that up from the players. And uh, they will be at uh, Doral uh, for the Honda.
5: The uh, This Florida swing I th- I'm going to be glued to the TV to, uh, Particularly that 17th hole I think that's the most entertaining Golf hole we have uh, Yet so far this year
4: That'll do it for Harold I'm Jason, hit him straight
5: Everything was fine I could breathe, I just couldn't swallow There will be flogging the ladies are getting creamed how tight it is. You have an idea of how hard it's blowing. Well, yep.
4: they always call swag the reach around, Just around here. Just somebody out there with a big wooden paddle. And...
5: I want to be whipped. <laughs> <laughs> you know how easy I am. Yeah, uh, I know. Fiji's
0: uh, in Europe. Uh, how powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.